Greetings, friends, and welcome to episode number eight, finally, of Critical Folly. After approximately a one-month hiatus, we are officially back. I'll explain all that in just a few minutes. First, let me say, as always, thank you for taking time to listen. Make sure you subscribe on any podcasting platform and review and rate us. That helps spread the word as well. And make sure you invite your friends. If Critical Folly is an encouragement to you, make sure you share it with someone else. So the past month has been pretty crazy. Uh, let me say off the top, no, I have not relapsed. Uh, I am actually doing really, really well. And uh, if it offends you that I laugh at that and you think it's too soon, I'm sorry. But if you can't laugh at your own life and your own mess, what can you laugh at? Uh, the last month has been a crazy work schedule for me. Uh, since we moved here to Nashville, I have been working for Amazon. And my schedule has been pretty crazy. We've also been trying to figure out these technical difficulties of recording a podcast in our RV. I can't remember if we mentioned this or not, but since we moved to Nashville to be closer to our girls and uh, live in this city that we absolutely are in love with, we have been doing the RV thing. And when you record things in an RV, as you could probably imagine, the acoustics aren't the greatest and any little sound gets picked up by the condenser mic. That includes uh, trash trucks and leaf blowers and other landscaping equipment and neighbors. And I finally decided this past week that we're just going to say screw it on that and we're going to do the podcast no matter what. So if in the course of our podcast in the coming months you hear weird sounds in the background, which could from time to time include my dog snoring loudly, just ignore it and enjoy spending time with us because I know I enjoy uh, spending this time with you. For the past several episodes, we have dedicated time to interviews, introducing you to friends of mine and allowing their life journey to hopefully encourage you in some way. And we'll go back to that. We've already got some guests lined up in the coming weeks, but I want to take a few episodes and just share with you some of the things that God's been doing in my heart. Uh, next week, December 13th, will mark nine months since I raised my hand and decided to get help with severe anxiety, depression, and uh, pre prescription painkiller addiction. And it's been a, an amazing journey, and God's doing some cool things in my heart and, and a lot of things that I think about that I didn't think about before, and I just want to take time to share some of those with you in the coming weeks, including a book that I'm reading that I want to encourage you to pick up. Uh, I don't know if it's holiday reading because it's pretty intense, but if you or someone you love has ever battled anxiety or depression, I want to encourage you to pick up the book Journey into the Divided Heart. It's written by a guy named Steve Fair, not Steve Ferris, Steve Fair. His name is spelled F 
F-A-I-R, like going to the fair. And uh, I'll dive more deeply into that book next week, but I just wanted to uh, get that on your radar. And, and uh, if it's something you might be interested in, I think you'd really enjoy the book. Uh, for me, it's been open heart surgery. And uh, I'm excited to share that with you. Today's episode is going to be a little different, though. I just want to share some random thoughts. And it may, uh, if it sounds like rambling, it's probably because some of it is. But, um, and, and I don't know, there may be people going, why are you sharing that on a podcast? And I don't really know, but it's my podcast and I'm just going to share these thoughts. So I hope they encourage you in some way. Uh, I want to start by saying again how refreshing and encouraging it is to live a life where your mind and your heart are clean. Uh, I know a lot of people use the word sober, but I would say clean and clear because a lot of people deal with substance abuse of some kind, but the reality is 99% of those people are medicating something deeper going on in their lives, in my case, uh, anxiety and depression. And as we continue walking through this season of a worldwide pandemic where people are you know, cut off from each other a little bit, there's not the normal connection that we've been used to our entire lives, it can be uh, heavy for people. And for me, seeking help and gaining insight and tools that address the ultimate issue of insecurity and unforgiveness and um, you know these these underlying issues that were were causing uh, my anxiety and depression. Uh, that's way more important than addressing just a substance abuse problem. And so I, I would throw out there, if you or anyone you love is dealing with substance abuse and you want some help, I would make sure you seek out a place that's going to treat the whole you and not, and, and you know, hold your emails as I say this, um, not just push you through a 12-step program and then kick you to the curb and say good luck. And I know that sounds harsh and I'm not anti-toe steps. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Celebrate Recovery and I wholeheartedly believe that other 12-step programs do have benefits. But if we don't deal with the underlying issues, then we're just putting a Band-Aid on something that eventually is going to break open and start bleeding again. When I was in treatment at Honey Lake Clinic down in Tallahassee, Florida, uh, some dear friends of mine from Fort Worth, Texas, uh, Bill and Aloha Bishop, uh, sent me a book. And the title of the book is called Kill the Spider, or maybe Killing the Spider. Uh, it's written by a guy named Carl Carlos Whitaker, who a lot of you guys may be familiar with. Um, and he dealt with some similar issues. I don't know about substance abuse, but just depression, anxiety, and performance issues. And anyway, the whole premise of this book 
is that we humans are really good at going through our lives swiping the cobwebs out of our way. You know how it is when you walk into a cobweb uh, in your yard or in your house or in a basement or whatever. Uh, it's the worst feeling and you just start swiping at it and, and it feels like it takes forever to get it off of you. But finally you do and you're like, ah, I feel normal again. Well, that's kind of how it is with substance abuse. And, and, and it's not sub- just substance abuse. It's all kind of self medicating behaviors. It could be workaholism. It could be uh, sex addiction. It could be, uh, you know, control issues, all all kinds of ways that we medicate the underlying issues in our lives. And in the book, he goes on to basically say, look, if you're going to live a healthy life, you can't just keep swiping at the cobwebs. Eventually, you're going to have to find the spider and kill it. And man, what a game changer that was for me. And I and I haven't even had the opportunity to say thank you to Bill and Lois. So if you guys happen to be listening or your kiddos are listening, make sure you uh, tell your mom and dad, uh, I am so, so grateful for you guys thinking about me during that season and having the wisdom to send such a powerful book. Uh, again, it's Carlos Whitaker. I think it's Kill the Spider. It might be Killing the Spider, but another great read. That one would be easier uh, than the Journey into the Divided Heart. So if you want to pick that up over uh, the holidays, I think you'd really enjoy it, especially if you've dealt with anything like I've been through. On the topic of people in my life and, and our lives over the past 10 or 15 years as I've dealt with this uh, private battle, I just felt led today to share some thoughts and some specific words for some groups of people. Again, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I I don't even know those people, and why are you doing this over a podcast? That's fine. Go, You're welcome to go listen to someone else. I, again, I don't know if this is um, proper podcast etiquette or not, but it's my space and my opportunity to share some of these things. Um, As I share some of these things, it might sound like they're part of the 12-step program, which again, I'm a huge fan of, but just for full disclosure, right now I'm not going through a 12-step program, so uh, this is just something that the Lord has put uh, on my heart. Uh, And I'm going to group a bunch of people together, but then I want to say some things to, to individual people. And uh, I've talked to some of these people and, and expressed some of this one-on-one, but as you might imagine, being in ministry for 25-plus years, there are just so many people, and it's hard to uh, remember and reach out and, and connect with, with all these people. Um, but during the course of the the 15-year battle that I had with depression and anxiety, trying to keep it a secret, maybe mentioning it on the stage from time to time while I was teaching, but never really dealing with the issue. Or, uh, you know, 10 or so years ago when the painkiller addiction started, uh, or at least the abuse started. Uh, During that course of time, a lot of people have missed out on getting 100% of Steve Ferris. 
And again, you know, as I say this, it might sound like step five or whatever that is, make amends. Uh, and, and that's, that's great. But I just feel the need today to express my gratitude and my apologies to those who were under my leadership during that time, uh, friends of ours. I, I can remember, um, in the latter days of our time in Fort Worth, we, we had the most amazing small group. And I was so unhealthy um, during that time that these amazing people that we shared so many life memories with would come over to my house, and all I could think about the whole time that they were there is I can't wait for these people to leave. And it wasn't that I didn't love them. I I, I do love them. I did, and I, I still do. It was just my my heart and my mind were so out of whack and I didn't like being alone but I didn't want to be with people either it if you've dealt with any of this you know what I'm talking about it's hard to put it into words but your your brain's just a mess and so to all those people um I think of uh, let me just list some groups uh Guys that played for me while I was coaching high school football at Harvest Christian Academy, uh, my coworkers, my assistant coaches, uh, people who I worked on staff with at churches in Texas and Arkansas and Colorado and Oklahoma, um, they just didn't get what they deserved out of my leadership. And and by the way, no, this is not. Um, a self-defeating talk either. I, I am at peace with everything that's happened in, in my life in the last 15 or so years, but sometimes it's good to just say it out loud, and sometimes if you're one of those people and and you're walking through life with somebody who's battling things like I did, maybe you're just like, do they even know? Do they know how weird they're acting, or do they, are they sorry? Do they, do they even care? And so, yes. Uh, we care, and I care, and man, I'm sorry. Uh, I think specifically about our time in Colorado. Uh, for those of you who don't know, in 2014, we embarked on a journey to go to Colorado Springs, Colorado, and start a brand new church uh, with really three families, I guess, went with us, and um uh, Man, it's, it's the Navy SEALs of ministry. It's hard to go to a place that you don't know anything about. You don't know anyone there. You don't have any connections. There's no building. There's no uh, advertising. There's nothing. You just move there and start loving on people. And, man, God did some amazing things during that season. And I have zero, zero regrets about all that God did there. I think the only thing that I've thought about over the last nine months is, man, so many people sacrificed so much to make that journey happen. And if you're listening to this and you're part of the Bridge family, um, man, we sure love you guys. We miss you. Um, I learned so much from you during during that season, even though it was kind of the beginning of the end of, you know, that dark, dark season. 
those those three years out there um but still just just have such great fond memories of all of you uh, during that season the team that went with us on that journey and i'm not even going to try to name everyone uh, you know who you are what amazing sacrifices that you made to make something so difficult turn into something so special and for those of you who don't know again we started with you know three families ish um i think some of the early days in our basement we had 12 people total and that counted kids everybody and i think our last christmas eve there we hit somewhere around 500 people and you know dozens and dozens of people were baptized and introduced to Jesus and just just an amazing experience but then also all of a sudden i just left and i know that had to sit sour with many of you and it was probably hard to understand and hopefully now that I've told my story, you can understand some of it. Uh, it wasn't all of it. We had gone through an enormous amount of loss in a short amount of time. Uh, right as we began that journey, I lost my dad. Uh, in a three-month period, we lost my mom and Michelle's dad, who we lost suddenly. And uh, we really did think it was time to get closer back toward family but there was just a lot going on and it may not make it easier to swallow but maybe a little easier to understand when you know that someone's uh, dealing with some of that stuff but also a very private battle uh, in their own heart and mind and while I'm rambling uh, it makes me think a lot of people have asked me you know, why didn't you say something to me? I felt like we were close, and why didn't you uh, reach out to me? Man, was I not a good enough friend? I just wish you would have trusted me with this. And it has nothing to do with you. <laughs> if you're our friends, we love you. And, man, I, I, I didn't even share it with my wife. She knew some of the battles that I had, and she had a front row seat for some panic attacks and some long nights and some long weeks uh, battling depression, but um, the substance abuse, she, I, I hid from her. I, and, and here's the deal for everyone, those closest to me, dear friends, man, I, I'm the same. I wish that I would have had the courage to reach out. But when you're battling something like that, you're not just your mind, let's be honest. The enemy knows that you are in a bad way and he will use that moment to pounce and he attacks your mind there's no doubt about it and so your mind begins telling yourself that you have to keep up this charade in order to protect those that you love in other words I I have to be strong and and fight this thing on my own because I don't want to put those that I love through this. And yes, there are times when you think, man, I ought to talk to so-and-so or I ought to reach out to so-and-so. But then again, your mind goes, no, they don't deserve that. And so if you, if you know someone or if you have a loved one out there who has dealt with some of this stuff, 
it's easy to think sometimes, and by the way, take me out of the equation here. It's easy to think that people who are battling private battles, whatever it may be, I keep talking about substance abuse because that was one of my many issues, uh, a symptom of the underlying problems. But sometimes we assume that those people are being <laughs> selfish and intentional and malicious. And I can only speak from my experience, but I feel pretty confident that this is true about most people who deal with some type of self-medicating, messed up behavior, the last thing they want to do is hurt people. They're stuck. They're stuck in quicksand. They're trying to get out. Uh, do they do very selfish things and very hurtful things? Yeah, but there's not anybody rubbing their hands together, making an evil laugh like some science fiction movie or whatever uh it's it's a hard road and so um anyway i i warned you that there might be some rambling today for our colorado bridge family we sure love you and we miss you and uh we forever i forever will cherish the the memories that we made together during those three years. And then uh, we moved to Oklahoma. And uh, I remember talking to my friend Alex, my my pastor in Oklahoma, before we ever went and just confessing, man, we're not in a good place. I so wish that I would have had the courage before I ever took that job to say, no, 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 I'm really not in a good place. And, and by the way, human nature, we know one of the reasons that you don't do that is you probably know if you disclose how unhealthy you really are, you probably wouldn't get the job. Uh, and man, I feel like God used us to um, be a part of some pretty special things during our short two years in Oklahoma, but at the same time, it's the it's the same song, different verse. I just feel like people didn't get a hundred percent of Steve Ferris and truthfully uh, of no fault of her own probably didn't get a hundred percent of Michelle Ferris either because of what I was going through. And so, um, yeah, just wanted to share that. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think about it a lot, uh, as I've been reading journey and to the divided heart and how, how broken and fractured our minds and hearts can be. It's just made me think. And, uh, you know, is this healing for me? I hope so, but more, more so I hope it's healing for someone listening today to know that, uh, our motives have always been to just love and help and encourage people. And that's what we want to do for, for the rest of our lives. And, and we know God's going to open a door to do that. Um, by the way, I just had this thought that I um, remember earlier today. I mentioned that I've been working for Amazon uh, while we are getting settled here in Nashville. And one day soon, maybe in the next two or three podcasts, uh, I'm going to dedicate a whole podcast episode to the life of an Amazon delivery driver. <laughs> and... Uh, and the incredible insight that you gain into how people think 
and the interesting people that you meet. And uh, anyway, it's uh, pretty fascinating. It's a, it's a, a big old machine that happens, and I'm uh, grateful to be a part of it during this season, but can't wait to share some of that with you. I want to close today by giving you a little preview of the Steve Fair book, Journey into the Divided Heart, but also just encourage you from God's Word real quick. Um, the The basis for this book is the story of Hosea in the Old Testament and his marriage to a prostitute named Gomer, and we'll dive into that. It's an amazing read if you get time. Uh, go check that out uh, in your Bible. But reading through that cycle of love and disobedience and selfishness and love and disobedience and just this deadly cycle that Gomer was living in, and it's a great picture of how we are as believers sometimes and just human beings, to be honest with you. It made me think a lot about the Apostle Paul and some words that he said in the book of Romans. And so I just want to share those with you, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Um, in Romans chapter 7, Paul gives this monologue about his own journey with sin and wrong choices and brokenness. And he, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to paraphrase, um, Ferris phrase it for you. He basically says, man, what a wretched soul I am. Because I know the right stuff to do, but that's not the stuff I do. The bad stuff, I don't want to do that stuff, but that's inevitably what I end up doing. And he goes uh, for a little bit just kind of ranting on this battle that we all face where in our hearts we, we want to do good things. We, we want to walk with the Lord. We want to help people. We want to live pure lives. We we genuinely love our Lord and Savior. At least I can speak for myself. I love the Lord, but I don't always act loving toward him. I love my wife, but I don't always act loving toward her. And if we're not careful, the enemy will creep in there and start whispering in our ear what terrible human beings we are. And again, Paul words it as, what a wretched soul I am. And remember, this is the guy that most people consider, besides Jesus, the greatest man of faith in the history of the world. Uh, and he wrote half the New Testament, so you're in pretty good company on that deal. Uh, but he goes on in the very next chapter uh, to encourage us. So remember, in, in chapter 7, he's walking through this battle of, oh, why do I do these things that I know are bad, and I don't want to do them, and I do love the Lord, and uh, how am I ever going to get out of this? And he gives us the answer, by the way, at the end of chapter 7. He says, thank God the answer is Jesus Christ. And I know some of you listening are like, oh, here we go. Just throw Jesus at it. Just pray more. And it's not what I'm trying to do here today. Sorry, I almost wiped out my mic right there. Uh, it's not what I'm trying to do, but I uh, do want to tell you Paul's words in chapter 
8 because for me they're monumental. So remember in chapter 7, I'm terrible, I'm terrible, the things I know I should do, I don't do those things, the things I know I should not do, those are the things I end up doing, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, in chapter 8, and I think it's verse 1 or 2, he says these amazing words, but. So in light of everything we just talked about, but there is no condemnation for those who are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, Jesus is not mad at you. He's not standing with his hands on his hips, shaking his head in disgust at you. He hasn't given up on you. Paul goes on to the end of the chapter in, in chapter 8 to say nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. And as I've walked through this journey, as you could imagine, the enemy will take this opportunity to say, oh man, you're such a screw up. And and that's one of the things that we spent a lot of time on in treatment is just self-deprecation and self-attacks. And uh, man, I'm so glad I live with a mind and a heart today that knows that knows that knows that there is no condemnation on my life from Jesus Christ. Even if there are from other people, they're humans and humans do that. But when Jesus thinks of me and when he thinks of you, he doesn't think bad thoughts. In fact, in Psalm 139, it says his thoughts about you are precious. And he has so many precious thoughts about you that those thoughts outnumber the grains of sand on all the beaches. Let that make your head hurt for a minute. But anyway, I just wanted to end today by encouraging you and uh, maybe reminding you that no matter what the battle is that you may be going through, it's not my battle, but you have your own. Uh, God's right there, and He loves you. He believes in you, believes in you more than you believe in yourself, and He's not here to poke His finger in your chest and remind you how bad you are. He knows that you know that you're in a Romans chapter 7 battle with sin and selfishness, but also with love. And he wants you to know today that that he hasn't given up on you and he hasn't forgotten you. And the plan, his plan, to give you a hope and a future, it's, it's still firmly intact. might look a little different, kind of like our, our season is right now, but... Um, it's still intact, so don't lose hope. Again, to all you guys that have walked this journey with us, thank you for loving us and loving me. Um, not only once you found out some of the story behind the story, but even as we were walking through it and you had no idea, so many people loved us so well and, and we're forever grateful. Well, there you have it. There's my rambling rant for today. It's good to be back online with you. I hope you're encouraged in some way. Again, thank you so much for taking time to listen. Hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time.